Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the significance, if any, of recurring numbers? Do animals as well as people have parallel lives? Is our approach to the paranormal too anthropomorphic? Well, hello and welcome to the 616th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul. And uh, Ben is not with us this evening. I do emphasize this is a temporary situation having to do with his pre-holiday schedule, and he will be back to normal uh, with any help uh, from anybody that'll be in January at the latest, if not uh, later in December. So he sends his best, and uh, he will be back soon. As I say, it's temporary. So uh, we have some uh, wide-ranging questions this evening, and unfortunately, uh, the... um, Gremlins continue to affect us from time to time, and we lost the recording of our show from last week, which was an open line show, and there were a number of very good questions. So we're going to simply repeat the questions this week, and the reason we do that is because the uh, vast majority of our listeners are in uh, other parts of the United States and other parts of the world, and they listen Uh, by means, generally, by means of the recorded show or the podcast uh, online when they are able to do so. So uh, it's the reason we ask the questions on the air that people write to us is so that others who may be having the same questions or the same issues uh, may have the benefit of the answer for what it may be worth. We do our best. So that's the reason. So we're going to repeat the questions we had last week. And we did have a caller last week, Scott from Uxbridge. If you're listening... You are very welcome to call again and state your question once again, which I believe had to do with animals. And so you're welcome to call in. Let me give you the numbers, folks. Again, uh, from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, it's 800-449-1240. Or locally here in northern Rhode Island or southeastern Mass, 401-766-1240. So let us begin where we began before. Well, these are not necessarily in the same order we asked them last week. So this one uh, came in on Facebook, and uh, it reads thus. Um, I don't have the name written here or where the person is from. I believe it was a young lady from Barstow, California, if I'm not mistaken. In 1997 or 1998, I woke up and saw the most beautiful green or ballish, uh, ball, greenish ball of light outside my window. I wasn't scared, very peaceful, but not sure what it was. I have had things happen that are pure evil, fear I never want to feel again, dark figures, feelings of evil. Can you please help me understand why I have felt uh, and seen both in my life? I am a sinner, but a good person. I wish nothing bad on anyone. I believe in our Lord, but trying uh, to understand why me. Okay, now, um, as I said last week when I read this, uh, there's a tendency to think, aha, some kind of religious fanatic, simply because she mentions religious things. And, and as I said last week, that, that's not fair, and it's not um, re- really um, uh, any, any kind of a constructive feeling. People of faith are often the strongest people. Uh, ben and I try to be people of faith, although it may be a, something of a different faith. In any case, uh, let us take this question for what it's worth. Many, many people have experiences such as this, regardless of their own state. Um, it, it, they, they can be very interesting from a paranormal point of view. Now, of course, one, I don't know this person. One assumes, mu- must assume for the 
then at least for the, the sake of the answer to the question that there is no drug use going on here and, and that, that the uh, psychiatric state of the person is as normal as any of us ever gets. Okay. And that nobody is entirely normal. Normality, as a matter of fact, is a function of the society we live in. In many societies, uh, particularly ancient ones or uh, indigenous ones in a number of countries, it's very normal to go around talking to your ancestors. If you do that in this society, you may very well find yourself diagnosed as schizophrenic and your pockets filled with antipsychotic drugs. All right, so normality is relative, okay? Uh, making no reference to the Adams family in that particular uh, metaphor anyway. So uh, I think that perhaps um, the uh, regardless of any uh, negative things that have happened to this person, uh, I think that the sight of the balls of light in any case outside the window some people see them inside uh there's a number of there are a number of explanations for this ball lightning of course being the most simple uh orbs are often pointed to in photographs and in paranormal phenomena i've seen them myself with my own eyes in interesting conditions uh they could be anything people as people in this field uh mostly the hobbyists simply assume they are spirits okay quote unquote uh i don't think that's really uh, a, a sensible answer. I, I suppose it could be. Uh, I'm not that big on the idea of spirits as in uh, disembodied entities. Okay, certainly somewhere they must exist, but I'm not necessarily sure that uh, they, they're the things that are responsible for ideas of ghosts and things and our, and our experiences of that sort of thing. So I think that there may be uh, something in the fact that the uh, woman here involved has... Uh, had positive feelings in the presence of these things and had a uh, peaceful experience uh, with these, uh, these sightings, okay? Uh, that may or may not mean anything, but it probably does because we, the reason we feel negative, or the reason we feel afraid in negative situations, I think is an, is an ancient survival instinct. Uh, I think that if we had not had the feeling that, and I've used this many times, the feeling that the uh, uh, saber-toothed cat was looking down at us from the, the ledge uh, with, you know, the lunch thing in its mind, our species would not have survived. We are, for lack of a better term, psychic, quote-unquote, because it's a, a survival instinct. So are, are just about every other creature on this planet. They have these abilities that are just a normal part of their, their lives uh, and their survival uh, mechanisms. So I think that there may be nothing more to this than a, perhaps a peaceful experience of some, uh, perhaps a living thing. There, there, are, there are theories by people who are, um, whom I respect that there may be uh, creatures of this kind living in the atmosphere, uh, perhaps living near the boundaries of the parallel worlds we often talk about and quantum mechanics and physics, things of this kind, that it's fringe areas, but they are being taken seriously. Uh, the world out there is not what you see necessarily. So this could be something uh, as simple as that. On the other hand, there are um, UFO connotations, and these have to do with the bluish lights, the bluish beams, things of this kind. So there are people who believe that when you have an experience of this sort of, a, of an orb or light, uh, there may be uh, possibly uh, UFOs involved somehow, uh, even abductions, things of this kind. Now, there's no indication that that's going on here, and I don't want to even suggest that it is, but uh, that's just among the possibilities uh, without knowing more about this. So I would say if you had a peaceful feeling from it, I would say just 
take it as a bit of a gift. You know, folks, I've been at this for 45 years and you question everything and you look at all sorts of possibilities. You look at what science has to say, which is is extremely limited because we have a very 19th century point of view on uh, this this sort of thing. And personally, I think the scientific method has to be rewritten. I don't know to what, but that's just an idea that it's, the idea is it's not good enough. Uh, I've never seen it really be equal to many of the things we are encountering, certainly in this field and in general today. So I would say that there comes a time when you, in a way, just kind of have to accept it. Not in the naive or simplistic way, but when something good happens, I think there are times when I wouldn't question it. Okay? And that has happened to me several times. Uh, and I've talked about some of them on the show, some of them I will not talk about. But in any case, that's the idea. I think um, we'd certainly like to hear again from the California folks here about this uh, if something else happens. But I think it um, uh, is something that maybe maybe it's a bit of a, of a gift uh, from someone or maybe even an aspect of yourself you're not consciously aware of. Okay, here's a nice simple question. This is from Robin. I don't know where Robin is from. Uh, can I listen to your excellent show with TuneIn Radio? Well, many of you are right now. And uh, I would just answer Robin's question by saying that uh, if you can't pick up 1240 uh, AM WON here, uh, the, uh, our, on our home uh, on the air in the Boston Providence area, you can go to onworldwide.com. A lovely website that the station has, and you click the ONTV icon, and you not only will be able to hear this show, you will have the jarring experience of actually seeing us, okay, uh, by uh, webcam. If uh, that fails, uh, you may go to behindtheparanormal.com. That's our website, and there is a, um, a little link on the left, a free podcast. Uh, there are eight years of these, over 600 hours of the show, if you have the time. Not only shows here on ON 1240, but our four and a half year run on CBS radio in four cities, and also some special shows, including, if you, especially if you're interested in the Rendlesham Forest UFO occurrences of 1980, we have done 16 hours on the air, various you know, CBS. Uh, and uh, an internet station when something interfered with CBS's brand new studio on this during those shows. Um, there are uh, several hours, 16 hours or more of that. Uh, interesting stuff. And uh, so you can go to town if you have the time on that site. So behindtheparanormal.com. Okay. Now let's see. Uh, here's an interesting, I'm going to repeat this one. This is from uh, Neil in Belfast, Northern Ireland. He's probably not listening because it's after well, after 11 o'clock there, but uh, he'll pick it up if we can get the podcast up of this show. So, um, hi, Paul and Ben. I downloaded five of your I download five of your podcasts a week, and I listen to them on my way to and from work. That's Belfast to Bangor in Northern Ireland. I have to say, you have made my journey really enjoyable for the last eight months or so. That's how many shows we have. You listen to them for eight months. That's uh, really nice. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate that. The reason I'm contacting you today is to report an incident that happened whilst listening to your show number 189. We do number the shows, and I, people do seem to find that convenient. I was traveling on my way home on a main highway, we call it a dual carriageway here in Ireland, when the show 189 served up some strange happenings. The show uh, was the show about the nightclub fire in which several poor people were killed, and we all, especially locally here, remember that. 2003, 100 people were killed. 
in a uh, in West Warwick, Rhode Island, in the uh, station nightclub fire. Terrible, terrible. Probably the, certainly the, one of the greatest disasters in the history of the state of Rhode Island. And Rhode Island is so small. People have trouble believing how small it is. I mean, we, we uh, our state is uh, 48 miles long and about 37 miles wide, and everybody knows everybody else pretty much. Everyone was was touched by that event. So in any case, that is the event uh, to which Neil is referring. There was a segment, I continue now, uh, there was a segment of the show where Paul mentioned that he had been directly affected by the number 41 while contributing to the book, uh, this being that there were 41 chapters. Uh, The book in question is 41 Signs of Hope by Dave Kane. He and his wife Joanne were the parents of the youngest victim of this fire, uh, Nikki O'Neill, and uh, there there seems to be First of all, the, the number 41 or 941 seemed to be very prominent in this young man's life. And when this disaster occurred, his parents felt that they were being communicated with by means of the number 41. It's quite a fascinating story. And of course, you know, I was a bit skeptical, but I, um, our media company published the book. I run a media company with my sons, and we published the book, 41 Signs of Hope. And in the process of editing it, which I did personally, it came out to 41 chapters. Yeah, coincidence maybe, but it really struck me. There's really no other way I could organize it. And this number kept coming up, 41 this, 41 that. And um, here's uh, Neil continuing his experience, which very much mirrors that of the family of the young victim of this. Um, While driving, I thought, I wonder if anyone... I wonder if anyone, no matter where in the world, could be affected by this. I decided to look for the next car to pass me to see if the number 41 would be in the license plate. Number plate, they say in Ireland. I drive a small car, so most cars pass me, and lo and behold, the next car's plate ended in 41. This wasn't the end of it. I constantly checked the time on the USB reader on my radio, where I was playing the podcast, to see how long uh, is left of the show I'm listening to. On this occasion, the time had been played. The time ha- had been played was 41 minutes. As soon as I noticed this, the show ended, and the next show kicked in. I was. Re- it was really strange because all the shows usually are close to one hour, and this show stopped mid-sentence. Well, anyway, uh, when I got home, I checked the podcast of the, on the behind behind the paranormal website to see if it was a fault with the upload, but no, it was a full show of an hour. So for some reason, as soon as I as I saw the cars. Number plates ending in 41. The show permanently ended prematurely at 41 minutes. Very strange, but also quite exciting. I mean, I can go on and on with the, the experiences of the number 41 or whatever. Now, of course, uh, one must keep the feet on the ground and take a look at this. And if you're looking for a certain number, you're probably going to find it. However, the statistical probability of some of the experiences reported having to do with this book and this boy and this number 41 and this family are really quite remarkable. So take it uh, for take it as you wish and uh, make your own judgment on this. Uh, so the question is, what about recurring numbers? I mean, how, do these things have uh, some sort of connection to anything? Well, you know, one wonders. People often tell us, and, and I get the same feeling, that it's like there's something behind our human experience, something behind our lives that's not necessarily pulling the strings, but there are what uh, the great uh, psychologist Carl Jung uh, called synchronicities, things that just sort of mesh kind of behind the scenes, 
coincidences, and I'm, I don't know if I believe in coincidence, but that, that's the term we use. And it does make you wonder. And of course, numbers seem to be behind this. There are some fascinating areas, fascinating areas of mathematics that I have tremendous respect for, but which I don't necessarily understand, that uh, might be involved with chaos theory, things of this kind, where there does seem to be a mathematical order behind a rather disorderly world in which we live. And I think that many uh, paranormal lessons can be drawn from this. Many of the synchronicities and coincidences we see in the paranormal, many of the things we think are messages and could be, might be mathematically based in some way or another. So I think that there may be some significance to the idea of recurring numbers, uh, depending on the context. And I suppose it all depends what we make of it. So uh, more on that later, and I think it's an interesting subject. Okay. Now here is, uh, let's do a few more from Facebook here. Uh, Where is it? Okay, well, this is from Mark in Manchester, England. Got uh, the UK uh, big on the show tonight. Uh, You have said this in some of your shows, but paranormal experiences often seem very personal. Unique kinds of UFOs and ghosts, different spirit guides with different messages, different predictions. If the paranormal is objectively true, uh, how do you explain this? How much is coming out, coming from our own heads? Well, I also, it's just as interesting this week as it was last week, Mark, your question, uh, and certainly is a good one. Now, I think one, uh, let's point out a few of the layers that exist in this. Uh, one is that I think Mark is, is very um, uh, astute in saying that there are certainly personal aspects to these paranormal experiences. One person may experience one uh, paranormal event. Another person may experience the same one and get entirely different to have an entirely different experience. One of the examples I believe we used last week was the very strange uh, Mothman incidents in the Ohio Valley of the U.S. in the 1960s. And this, uh, if, you, if you've ever seen the movie The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere and Laura Linney, uh, it's... Um, it was pretty much of a flop, but it does have a kind of a cult following. And I, I found it, the concepts very interesting, having known the author of the book, uh, John Keel, who was a journalist, uh, as, I, as I try to be, and he uh, was from New York and personally investigated these cases. And the thing with the Mothman, uh, there were many, many things. It was one of the paranormal flap areas, as Ben and I often describe. It's kind of a specialty with us investigating those areas. But the central figure was dubbed by the media Mothman. And this was a very odd figure, one of those things you really couldn't make up. A huge winged creature with no head, or at least there were eyes and where the shoulders should be. Really, really strange. And uh, seen by many, many people, experienced... Uh, there were cha- uh, car chases, although the Mothman wasn't driving a car. Apparently, it was supposedly flying at uh, high speeds, and uh, people were terrified. So, the uh, however, there there have been some witnesses we have uh, spoken with who had positive Mothman experiences. Very strange. So, in a way, it was a very personal experience dealing with Mothman. Most people were absolutely absolutely terrified. They would see this thing in their driveways, flying over their houses around their cars. I talked to witnesses who had heard the footsteps on their roofs because they were little at the time. Uh, however, there there was a, there were two people I've spoken with uh, who had Mothman experience, and all of a sudden they developed tremendous artistic talent. Their math got better in school because they were young at the time, and it does make you wonder. Well, maybe these are all very personal experiences tying into our own experience, not only of the paranormal phenomenon, but what's behind the paranormal phenomenon, which is our experience of what we call the multiverse, the the the, the engine that seems to power 
what we call the paranormal, the interaction and intersection of various uh, multiple worlds where the physics of the physics may be very different, where the creatures may be, may be very different, and uh, the people may be different, or, or they may be dead here and not there, and the way we, we think we're seeing ghosts. I think that's really how it works. So it can be very personal. Uh, on another layer of this, we, we might see the question that, that Ben and I often raise when we're dealing with psychics and mediums, which we seldom do because they all sound the same and uh, there are very few whom we respect. I know that's harsh, but it's, it's the way we feel. So we very seldom have them on the show. But when we, do, when we do, we often point out the idea that, okay, well, so-and-so is speaking to um, Zork from the planet you know, wherever, and, and uh, you know, and Zork is saying, well, the world's going to end uh, in some, th this particular week, and then somebody else is dealing with some enlightened master from the 89th century, and uh, they're saying this, you know, and, and we always say, nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. You can't trust these things. You don't know where the information is really coming from, and that's why many religions will tell you, stay away from it, and that's not bad advice. And we always say stay away from things like Ouija boards and seances because you don't know what you're talking to, if anything. And, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, nothing happened. I see how yeah, well, you can stand on the highway and people are, you know, zipping by you at 80 miles an hour. Maybe you'll get hit and maybe you won't. Same thing with this. So the... Um, question arises how much is coming from our own heads well i'm sure that in many cases there's plenty coming from our own heads there also may be information coming from the sources that cannot be trusted uh, or there might be information that you are receiving i suppose receiving or already aware of in your subconscious from different worlds where you yourself are living because that seems to be one of the principles of the the, the quantum physics approach to this uh, believed by many more physicists than you might think that there are different versions of ourselves in many different parallel realities where, again, the laws may be very different, uh, where you may be a lot younger or older, but it's all simultaneous. There really is no past and no future according to this ideas, these ideas in physics. And uh, it's all being lived at the same time, which is why you have memories and imagination and creativity and sometimes stupidity or whatever. All characteristics are out there, okay, somewhere or some when. And it's all simultaneous. It's, that's the hardest thing to get your mind around in our approach to the paranormal, but it sure does work. Maybe we make it work. I don't know. Maybe we're wrong, but who knows? So that, that's the thing. I think there are many reasons, Mark, why the paranormal does seem to be so personal. And we can go even further with this to the idea that maybe it might be personal to the point where you're receiving or think you're receiving personal messages. Uh, I remember a very, very interesting UFO report that we received from Connecticut, which is a, seems to be one of the centers of our activity because there's a lot going on there. And this was from a person in the southwestern part of that state, which neighbor, you know, neighbors Rhode Island, borders Rhode Island here. And this was uh, at the end of, of the uh, Hudson Valley paranormal flap, the Hudson Valley UFO sightings of the 80s and into the 90s. And this, this person wrote, he said it was the strangest thing, and not only seeing the UFO, but the feeling he received when he saw it. And he was uh, in his neighborhood coming home from work, getting out of his car in his drive, and he looked up, and he saw a very quiet, glowing disc just sort of gliding over the neighbor's house. It was, you know, maybe he thought maybe 100 feet in the air or so. But there were other people driving down the, the street, and no one else seemed to see this. So naturally, the idea is, well, you must have been imagining it. Well, other people in the area reported seeing the same disc, although not people around where he was. And he said that he felt as if he was being tested 
Now, I've found that a very interesting way to put that. And he wasn't specific about being tested for what. He didn't know. But he thought that it was a rather personal experience, more or less directed at him. If you believe in the UFO abduction phenomena, and we um, have no reason not to, uh, what, I, what it really may be, we don't know, but we know many, many people who have experienced it, and we have consulted on cases where people have uh, believed they, they've been abducted and have had poltergeist activity and other sorts of paranormal things going on in their homes and in their lives, and uh, we feel there are connections there that we've talked about in some of our shows, but I don't want to get into it here. But in any case, yes, there are many levels on which this can be a personal experience. And the question is why. I think ultimately, there are reasons in our folklore why we believe what we believe. Demons, guardian angels, uh, all sorts of things that come down to us in, in a, on an almost folksy or fairy tale way that any student of folklore will tell you may very well be based on real human experiences and very deep experiences within the human, uh, within human history and the human consciousness. Certainly the loss of loved ones. Certainly uh, for our remote ancestors, the presence of what they at least believed were supernatural beings. Why would we have religion? Why would we have science if there weren't cases that could not be explained? And our ancestors were not stupid. So I think that um, personal involvement with the paranormal is critical. Uh, our good friend Shane Searway, who was an outstanding investigator and one of the few with whom we will work, and we are, are working with him now in the, uh, the Central Connecticut Paranormal Flap we've been talking about on the show. Shane puts it well. He said, it's not, he said some places are haunted, but it's, it's usually people who are haunted, quote-unquote, right? Uh, people participate in the paranormal experience in a very intimate way. And so, Mark, to answer your question, uh, there are about 150 different levels here where people can have personal paranormal experiences, and it, it isn't necessarily in their heads. So let's leave it at that. Uh, oh, right time for our break. Okay, so you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, uh, minus the Ben tonight, on ON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Russ Gorman. It was written in the stars, and what was written in the stars will be. Your astrological chart is based on the positions the planets were in on the day you were born, influencing your destiny, past, present, and future. I've had decades of experience doing charts with a large celebrity clientele and others all over the world. The stars are a beacon, lighting your future. Your chart provides the answers to questions on health, money, relationships, all your most important concerns. The in-depth guidance that you need is here for you. If there's a windfall in your chart, I'll find it. Call me at 401-333-4048 to order your chart or update, revealing the exciting changes coming up. Let me tell you how to get the most out of your future and keep you moving forward. I'm available for speaking engagements for clubs and groups and for private parties. Call me at 401 401- Three 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 four zero four eight. Benefit through my years of experience. Okay, welcome back. We'll uh, continue our open line show. We just wanted to mention several of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Uh, most of them are veterans charities. Uh, another is one that benefits uh, at-risk youth in Los Angeles, California, and uh, great stuff out there. We'll remind you of that in our announcement section. Links are to be found at BehindTheParanormal.com, our show website. Okay, and here's one from Peter. 
and we're not sure where Peter is from. He didn't say. However, uh, I think the fact that there are so many types of UFOs really adds believability to your multiverse theories. But why are they visiting us, and do they know about each other? Their symbols and ships do not even seem alike. That's something we noticed early on, Peter, that there were so many different kinds of craft from when, since the beginning of uh, the reporting of these things. Uh, there are many, many different types of beings, seemingly, although the uh, ubiquitous gray, as it's called, does seem to be a common uh, theme in UFO encounters, with at least with the beings uh, that supposedly are the uh, pilots of these things. We've had, certain, we've had shows on grays. And I'm thinking of Nigel Kerner from uh, the UK, who has uh, some interesting theories about this. Uh, some people believe they are evil. Some people believe they are good. Some people believe they're, they're neither. Uh, some people believe they are mechanical. They're not biological at all. Some people believe they are biomechanical. Okay. So anything might be possible. I have never had the pleasure of meeting one, if you can call it a pleasure. However, we have encountered cases where uh, they have been seen. Uh, by uh, people, and I'm thinking particularly of this Connecticut flap area, and we're working on that as well. And many people whom we know, whom we've encountered at, uh, pardon the pun, encountered at uh, lectures we've given, uh, are seem to be very feet on the ground and very much into this. We, however, are uh, leave the investigation of these things to others uh, unless they are in the context of these flap areas that we often talk about. But um, I think you're right, Peter. I think that uh, it does add believability to the whole multiverse thing, that there are many, many different worlds, as we've been saying, uh, with many different kinds of inhabitants. Many of them may travel back and forth. We see that particularly with parasitical or, or negative entities, if you want to call them that. And I think the UFOs are no exception. We think that um, if you look at some of the, the really deep physics here about travel, you could theoretically be in a ship of some kind or even maybe even not in a ship uh you could be orbiting some planet if you want to get um, into the space thing uh you could bend space and time as einstein suggested or you could use the multiverse and simply slip across a membrane or brain b-r-a-n-e as physicists call it and be where you already are around another planet and you could be traveling without moving this is all theoretically possible so uh, I would say that um, this may be one of the reasons why there are so many different kinds of, uh, of uh, craft and symbols. I'm thinking of um, our friend Jim Penniston from the Rendlesham Forest case, who was actually in Rendlesham Forest with an Air Force comrade. Uh, they were Air Force security personnel during the, uh, one of the nights in December 1980 of uh, the uh, landings and appearances of UFOs uh, near the two, two Air Force bases, two NATO bases. And this... Um, uh, was was quite the thing when he himself touched the craft, uh, said it was warm to the touch, and he uh, he wrote down the symbols that he saw on it. Uh, there was a symbol, interestingly enough, from uh, our guest two weeks ago, uh, who had uh, Deborah Moffat, who had uh, an entity writing symbols on the walls of their home in California, and that this was believed to be a, a poltergeist or something non you know non extraterrestrial or something like that. If you use that term, and it looked rather like some of the Rendlesham symbols to me. So there are many different kinds, and I think the multiverse may be the explanation. We do have a caller. We do. Uh, we have Phil on the line. Phil is on the line. He should be ready to go. Phil, you're on ON1240. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you, Paul. How are you? Oh, well, uh, pretty good, pretty good. Oh, Phil from um, 
Massachusetts. Orange. Yes. Right. Very good. Uh, I um, I wanted to let you and your and your listeners know about a book which actually addresses um, a sort of rhetorical question you just posed, which was why are there so many different UFOs? And of course, we all struggle with why are they arriving at certain locations. Mm. The name of this book is Signs on the Earth, and it's subtitled Deciphering the Message of Virgin Mary Apparitions, UFO Encounters, and Crop Circles. Well, that's an interesting combination and, of subjects. Yeah, and so one of, uh, obviously, we don't have time, and I won't take up your time to go into any detail, but generally speaking, um, the author, whose name is Richard Levitin, um, keeps reminding us that we need to think in terms of a fourth-dimension reality when we, when we look at all these things, because we want to bring them into the third-dimension reality, because that's what we're comfortable with. And, and, and secondly, I came away from the book with an awareness uh, that I should have had before, that... Um, you can think of the Earth as its own multiverse with all sorts of stuff going on that we don't know about and may not even have anything to do with us. And in fact, according to Levitin, a lot of the UFO sightings that, that seem to recur in certain places are simply happening because there is activity below the surface of the Earth or in a mountain like Mount Shasta, and the greys apparently are very nosy. Um, they're gate crashers, as Levitin calls them, and they're not necessarily welcomed by the entities involved in whatever they're doing. But we're just observers, and the gray ships might not be there for anything to do with humanity. They just might be bothering other entities. So I would recommend this book as just kind of a rare... Um, a rare 30,000-foot view of all these things put together. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting, Phil. Thank you for the recommendation. You're welcome, and I'll go back to just listening. Okay, uh, I will comment. And I appreciate uh, Phil's very, rather astute observations on this subject. Uh, the idea of um, UFOs as um, involved perhaps more with each other than, to, than with us has and, and their inhabitants uh, has occurred to Ben and myself on several occasions. One thinks back to ancient documents, and it's not just the Bible. It's a, a number of contemporary documents, ancient documents we've talked about on this show uh, that indicate wars, as it were, among the gods. Okay. And uh, I don't think that the experience of thunderstorms and earthquakes is necessarily going to uh, create the, the tremendously detailed saga, uh, sagas of, of this particular uh, experience, whatever it was, in the early history of the human race. One wonders if, uh, with all the different varieties of uh, apparently aliens or whatever you want to call them, that... Uh, um, Mark has pointed out, and that even Peter has has mentioned, 
that they are necessarily concerned with us uh, at all. Maybe we're extraneous to them. Maybe we're in the way. Although the UFO abduction phenomenon uh, may give some credence to the fact that some, to the idea at least, that some of them are interested in us personally. The idea of things inside the Earth is an old idea. Uh, I don't quite know what I think of it. However, we've had some very articulate guests and some very articulate callers, such as Phil, uh, who suggest that that may be a factor. I'm thinking, too, of incidents that occurred around the Rendlesham Forest area, and we're going back, I believe, it's to the 13th century, and that's a long time ago, but there are reports of children who have greenish skin who came up, were found near a cave, and when they learned to speak English, which took a while, they... Um, lost their greenish tinge, supposedly, and they said they were from a world that essentially was inside the planet. There have been many, um, there are certainly many expeditions that have found huge cave uh, networks and things of this kind. Uh, we've never tackled that ourselves, but because we have enough to do, but it, it's very possible. Anything is possible. And as a matter of fact, the whole multiverse idea indicates that somewhere or somewhere in the multiverse, everything that can be conceived, everything that is possible in any way does exist in some kind of concrete reality. Whether it can brush against ours and we can experience it, that's another question. But uh, if there were not versions of the Earth that had perhaps civilizations living in them or whatever, then we wouldn't have been able to conceive of it. That's my opinion. One of the... Um, Next steps in Martian exploration is to try and dig a little bit beneath the surface. And I believe one or two of the rovers that are there now uh, are digging uh, to find perhaps things that are beneath the surface. There, it's entirely possible that uh, entire civilizations on, on a given planet uh, might have to go underground if, if their environmental conditions deteriorated to the point where they couldn't live on the surface. I mean, that's entirely feasible and has been uh, speculated about by a number of, uh, of astrophysicists, I should say astrobiologists um, and other people of that kind. So all these things are on the table, and anything literally is possible. So uh, perhaps we will continue with that on another show, but let's try and get to one or two more questions. Now here's, oh, here's a local one. This is from Richard uh, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Richard asks, when you talk about poltergeist cases, it is very interesting when you talk about things happening in the blink of an eye or when objects impact the floor with such force that they should be shattered but are not. How do you explain this? Uh, I've seen this sort of thing myself. Uh, in one instance in uh, 1974, matter of fact, it was uh, November 25th, 1974, and Monday evening, I was working with Ed Lorraine Warren, and uh, it was um, quite the poltergeist, uh, poltergeist situation in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. As a matter of fact, it's, it's the subject of uh, The World's Most Haunted House, 2014 book by William J. Hall, a good friend of ours, has been on the show a number of times. And I was standing in the kitchen with the little girl whom I was supposed to be protecting, and a television set, the old tele console model televisions, uh, if anybody's old enough to remember those, went over with an incredible force and an amazing speed. If I had done that, simply tipped it over, it would have smashed the screen. But it not only hit my leg on the way down and knocked the little girl and I across the room, it hit the floor with incredible force, as I say, and why it wasn't smashed, and a bang. I'm surprised they didn't hear it downtown. 
and it was quite uh, quite the show, and uh, the thing was not damaged. Also, I would notice in this and many other cases where uh, you're never quite looking at something when it flips over or when it floats in the air. You just turn, and there it is. And people, I'd say, aha, that means somebody else is doing it. Well, when there's no one else in the room and when you've already checked for strings and the house, and in the case of the Bridgeport house, was a ridiculously tiny little bungalow, three rooms. And uh, things were happening in the presence of police officers, firefighters, and that's why Bill called it the world's most haunted house because everybody saw the thing. So uh, I've, I've often pondered the reason why that, that happens. Things happen so quickly and you're not quite looking at them when, when they do. Um, I have been, I've seen things out of the, the, the peripheral vision, uh, but it's, I've never had the experience of looking directly at something. There are some people who say that, that they have, but it is interesting. Oddly enough, and this may be inappropriate, what comes to mind is uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle in quantum physics. And that's essentially that something is not quite what it is unless you're, somebody's looking at it. There's an observer, right? Uh, in, in his case, he's talking about particle physics. Something is either a particle or a wave. And I, you know, I don't want to get into college courses here, but, and, but it, it's not really a particle or a wave. It doesn't really collapse into its state until somebody looks at it, which is a very odd kind of point of view. And, and the, the extrapolation from that is that we essentially may, as a group, create our own reality. Okay, now that, that again, that's, we've talked about that on other shows. I mean, can't get into it here, but that's the thing that sort of comes to mind if we're not looking at something and it's happening. And of course the old conundrum of if a tree falls in the woods, there's nobody there to hear it. Does it make a noise? All right. I mean, you can answer yourself, you know, the chicken or the egg, what comes first, all the, all these old time and all these old time stories and, and illustrations may or may not be valid. So I guess that's a long answer to the short question. Uh, I really don't know, Richard, what the reason for that is, but I have suspicions. And uh, Richard ha continues a bit here. Uh, also, you say that these beings seem alien. Uh, talking about poltergeists. Uh, what is the difference between this and UFO occupants? Another good question. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in response to another question, uh, I've been working with, um, as a sort of a consulting uh, off and on with uh, some good friends of ours, uh, Kathleen Marden, uh, a well-known UFO expert and author, uh, the uh, niece of Betty and Barney Hill, the famous uh, case uh, in the early 1960s of abduction, uh, first one ever publicized really widely in the modern media. Uh, that was um, when things began to come up in her cases where people were saying they were being abducted by aliens, but they'd have poltergeist activity taking place in their homes, uh, seeing strange things, hearing strange things, presences, and this sort of thing. And the question arises. And this, in a way, goes back to uh, Phil's uh, notion and uh, his very articulate question that he, when he called, was... Um, you know, are the labels we put on these phenomena dependent on how we experience them? I often use the illustration, if you see a wispy thing going through your living room, aha, a ghost. But if you see it in a field underneath a disc or an orb, aha, an alien, maybe, you know. So again, our own limited paradigm, our own limited way of understanding things, uh, wearing the blinders of our limited materialistic understanding of the world, kind of determines what we call the experience. Whereas the, what's behind the experience may be so vast, so alien in, in a broad sense, and so uh, beyond our understanding that we just don't understand it, right? So that essentially is what we may be dealing with here. So what's the difference between a poltergeist and a UFO occupant? 
I don't know, many poltergeist uh, occurrences, I think, are even even the television incident I described <clears throat> or the flipping furniture in, in uh, several houses I've been in uh, may not be caused by an entity. Now, in parapsychology, which uh, is a not a really not very well-respected science, or some scientists would say it's a pseudoscience, but it's existed for a long time, they have uh, the notion of RSPK, or recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. In other words, stuff happening that nobody is physically causing, at least not that they can see. And this is uh, generally thought to be uh, some kind of energy or whatever. And, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think that the energy involved might be uh, what takes place around the boundaries of par parallel worlds that intersect and let entities in of, of one kind or another, negative, usually in the poltergeist sense, parasitical, actually. So that when I saw the refrigerator float in the presence of police officers and firefighters, it wasn't necessarily some ghost, quote unquote, or entity lifting it up. It might have been the overwash of a world uh, that had entirely different laws of physics and in which the refrigerator floated just for a few minutes, just for a minute or two. It actually was less than a minute. I think that things like the television uh, crashing into my leg, things of this kind may have been just that, not caused by anything and uh, anything and perhaps just by the energies that were uh, in this area because of the phenomena that were occurring. Uh, the process creates the energies. And, and I often use the uh, idea of, of people running down the hallway or things of this kind, uh, stirring up air and you don't mean to knock the papers off the desk, but you, uh, the air you stir up does. And this is a, this sort of thing, or you open uh, your screen door in the summer to let your, your friend in and all the mosquitoes come in with the friend. And, uh, Again, you didn't intend to let the mosquitoes in, but it was just a, a byproduct of the phenomenon of you opening the door. So that's, that's uh, one of these ideas. So uh, the term alien, Richard, I think might be dependent on how we experience the thing. It may be entirely arbitrary. Sure, there may be perfectly physical beings visiting from other planets. There's no reason to believe that that can't happen. I think that to think it can't happen is rather narrow on our part. Uh, so maybe the um, processes they use to come and go, they may be perfectly physical, as I think these parasites are, but the processes may create poltergeist phenomena in a house or some in, in whatever location they may be uh, using to, uh, to visit, if you will. Uh, so anything really is possible, and it's really hard to put. But, but th those are my thoughts on that anyway. Okay, we have another question from Martin in New York. Doesn't say where. So I have a relative who has used a Ouija board for years and says she has never had any problem. But when I go to her house, everything feels strange. My skin crawls and I feel presences. Is it possible that she does not even know that she is having problems? Is she so self-satisfied that she does not know? I think you really hit a certain important nail on the head here, Martin, because I've seen that myself. People become so used to having these parasitical things around that there comes a point where they learn to live with them, which is not a good idea because that means you're probably being farmed. Now, for those who listen to the show, I've talked ad nauseum about what parasites are, but for those who don't, just very briefly, we believe that among the many, many creatures in this multiverse we've talked about, there are many who uh, will literally feed on others. 
And this is because they're just part of nature. It's not supernatural and the paranormal is entirely normal. It's just pretty strange from our narrow point of view. So when we deal with these poltergeists or when, when we deal with many uh, cases where there are negative things going on, uh, these parasites, in our opinion, are behind them. And one of the things that occurs, of course, is that they can farm your family or even you for food. That's how it works, in our opinion. Uh, they're not spirits. They're not servants of the devil. I mean, that's how our folklore will portray them, because they certainly do fit the bill. They are not good for us, uh, whether they are evil in any objective sense. Uh, you could argue that, but they, uh, they're just trying to eat. We encounter these things all the time. And when they farm you, you can get used to it. If they are not throwing refrigerators, as this one did in, in Bridgeport, if they're not uh, lifting uh, uh, television sets and throwing them at, at me, then they're um, very likely uh, just farming you. There are certain species that are rather quiet. I have, um, on uh, a number of disconcerting occasions, been, say, on a television show with other guests who work in this field. Uh, one of them, uh, on one occasion, was a psychic medium and had... Um, parasites attached to her i could feel them because when you've been at this as long as i have you know what to look for there were three of them she had no idea we had a guest on the show not all that long ago who was a psychic medium and that this person it, it the whole place kind of lit up i just that's our feeling anyway i mean there are other explanations for that kind of feeling of the skin crawling and things that that the martin is describing uh at this uh, this friend's house but there, I don't know. I just, I, I don't trust these situations and I don't think people should mess with this stuff. So if you are using these things, uh, particularly Ouija boards, uh, there can be consequences that are uh, rather serious at times. Uh, they may be obvious, such as poltergeist outbreaks, or they may be very, very quiet, such as being you being farmed by these things. And I assure you, this is as real as it gets. And the question is, what do you do with this? I, th I think you just don't use these things. If you have a Ouija board, get rid of it. Uh, and why? And question is why people think that I know that I had a cousin, a uh, very old woman uh, since has since translated. And she used to talk to her friends all day long. Uh, she was almost 100 years old uh, on her Ouija board in Florida and always claimed never had a problem when she read one of my books where I was uh, um, saying people were dumb for doing this. They said, oh, you're talking about me. I said, of course not. Uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily take it back. So uh, in any case, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a dangerous practice because it's like trying to meet your neighbor. And the uh, metaphor I always use is instead of sort of waiting out there quietly for your neighbor to come out and meet you or just saying hello when you're out in the yard, you take a backhoe or a bulldozer and you knock down their front wall and say, hey, how you doing? That's essentially how what you're doing. It's a sledgehammer approach and it breaks down. It breaks through membranes of parallel realities, and it is not a good idea because you don't know what's behind that wall. As a matter of fact, we are, we're always telling mediums that who try to send people to the light. Well, the light could be the boundary of a hellish world because there's not just one parallel world. There seem to be billions, maybe an, an, an infinite number. So we always say just be really careful and don't do this stuff. So um, that's essentially uh, what we're saying here. So Martin... I think uh, what you should do is encourage this person to stop using this thing. Um, I know that you don't want to tell other people what to think or do, but in this case, you might be doing her a favor. Um, I don't really know what else to tell you. If, if she, at some point, she needs help, contact us again, 
and uh, perhaps we can advise further. But that, that's my opinion about what's, uh, what's going on here. Okay, so let us encourage you once again to write to the show. Uh, we're trying to have these open line shows more frequently because we just are deluged with things, uh, especially because I've been um, on other shows a lot lately, and we have a lot of listeners here, and uh, we wanted to um, just uh, suggest you can write to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com, or certainly you can write, uh, people actually do sometimes write uh, handwritten letters in the mail. I haven't seen that in a long time, but they occasionally show up uh, here at uh, Behind the Paranormal, care of W-O-O-N 1240, 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, 02895. So that's uh, another way you can write to us. So contact us. Um, we'll be happy to answer your questions when we can. Uh, we wanted to acknowledge before our uh announcements begin this is there are two very important things going on today one it is of course the 74th anniversary of the attack on pearl harbor on december 7th 1941 uh there aren't a lot of people alive anymore who um there are people who remember that but there aren't a lot of people who actually um, many survivors left for, from that terrible attack uh, that brought the u.s into world war ii and uh i certainly as a veteran myself I've, who didn't do an awful lot, but at least I served. Uh, I, I wanted to acknowledge that uh, for those who are, uh, are the, the gallant people who serve in our armed forces. Also, it is the second day of Hanukkah. And uh, Hanukkah, uh, happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish friends. We have many friends and, and listeners uh, who celebrate Hanukkah. And uh, it is not the Jewish equivalent of Christmas. It is a celebration of uh, a great feast, eight-day feast of lights, uh, when the Seleucid Turks, uh, uh, Turks, I'm sorry, uh, Greeks, rather, uh, the Greeks um, abandoned Jerusalem and uh, took all the uh, sacred oil that burned the menorah in the Holy of Holies in the temple, and uh, what, what, what little bit was left burned for eight days, and it was considered miraculous. Certainly, we've talked about that on our um, paranormal holidays shows, of which we've done many. So again, uh, happy Hanukkah for that, and certainly honor to our, our veterans. So um, find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com. Our 2015 appearances are ended, but we're starting up again uh, next uh, April at the uh, latest. And uh, we'll let you know about that as it, uh, as it comes. You can also find 650 free podcasts on that site, BehindTheParanormal.com. Both our shows here on ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio. So um, let me tell you, of course, uh, there are several books here of mine you can find on the Behind the Paranormal site. If you buy them there, uh, I will be able to uh, autograph them for you. Uh, it's a big thrill and be happy to, uh, to do that and send them to you from there. Uh, also, they're available on Amazon.com and uh, another uh, Barnes and Noble Nook and all these different uh, forms, certainly in printed form and uh, as a, the Kindle uh, as well. Uh, two books we uh, point out to our listeners here, particularly one, uh, UFO Repeaters uh, from Tim Beckley's publishing company, Global Communications, uh, which has an entire chapter on our old friend Joe Ferrier, who was much loved on this station for over 50 years and uh, was also a UFO expert from the 1960s. He gave it up so his life could, could go back to normal and it did. But uh, that didn't stop him from being on our show. We, uh, we have a podcast with him that's really uh, very great from uh, 2010. So check that out as well, BehindTheParanormal.com. So next Monday, December 20th, uh, we'll welcome Professor John Stedman for a look at how the great Rhode Island horror writer H.P. Lovecraft may have influenced the entire Western occult tradition, something 
kind of different there. And we'll leave you this evening with a thought from the Roman philosopher Seneca. As long as you live, keep learning how to live. I'm Paul Eno. Ben, hopefully, will be with us uh, next week, if not uh, soon after that. And we thank you for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.